Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about one of my personal favorite types of books, <laughs> People on a Journey. You may have heard me talk about it. I usually call it a woman on a journey. But, you know, I'm here for all people on, on a journey. Um, and we're also interviewing author Cassandra Kaw. But first, what are you reading? You know, I just finished a book that you talk about all the time, so I felt like I should read it, which was Empire of Wild. <gasps> uh, so good. It is. It's by Cherie Demoline. Um, and uh, Mallory's talked about it a lot on the show, but I'll give the quick rundown if you haven't heard her talk about it, which is that um, uh, it is about a woman. Is she on a journey? It's a good question. I, I was going to say, she's kind she of She goes somewhere. She's, yeah. she's on a mission. Basically, her husband disappeared a while ago, and um, then she's in a Walmart parking lot, and she goes into this random tent of, like, one of those kind of, like, revival traveling preacher tents, and she sees her husband there, and he doesn't remember who she is, and he's suddenly, like, weirdly religious, um, and she has to figure out what the fuck is going on, and... um, so Sheree Demoline is um, a Métis author. She's kind of, she's like, I was reading, she is, she's very um, award winning. She was um, the first Aboriginal writer in res- residence at the Toronto Public Library. Like she's done a bunch of cool stuff. And um, I thought this book was fantastic. I was very impressed. Um, it also, I, this is something I know our readers really like. It is told from multiple perspectives which I think our yes. readers tend to enjoy. Our readers, our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you reading? Well, more? I guess there's st- there are readers. There are reader friends. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm reading a book that I started reading specifically for the Glassers uh, because after the fun drive, I was like, we got to read more books about gay witches. It's a hot, in-demand uh, type of book. And I guess, so I... Um, I'm reading a book called The Lost Coast by Amy Rose Capetta, and it was a book that I talked about and saw a lot during the drive, and I'm finally reading it because I got it from my library up here in the mountains, and it is, it's very, it's very, if you liked When We Were Magic by Sarah Gailey, you'll really like this book. Um, it's about this teenage girl, and her and her mom have just moved to the Pacific Northwest, um, or no, way, way up in, up in Northern California. It's not the Pacific Northwest. It's, um, uh, well, I guess kind of, it's way up way like way up in the redwoods uh it has that like very redwoodsy flannelly coffee drinking energy in this in this book um but she is queer and she's in this new town and she immediately befriends this group of teenage girls that are like the weirdo groups it's very kind of crafty in that way um but they're all queer and they're in, in different ways and they're all witches and it turns out they're one of their one of the members of the group has disappeared um, and she, they need the new girl, the, uh, the main character of the book, they need her specific type of magic to find their missing friend. And there's crushes and there's magic and there's a little bit of spooky stuff. Um, but it's definitely, I mean, we're in September now and it's definitely one of those great books that if you're like, I want to get in to the Halloweeny, uh, Get get on get in on the Halloweeny fun, but I don't like horror. I don't like being scared. This is a really good book because it's very witchy and autumny, um, but it's not a scary book at all. Um, so that is The Lost Coast by Amy Rose Capetta, and mine is Empire of Wild by Sheree Demoline. And uh, we know what Sean is reading, don't we? Oh my God, I think you're right. Hold on, yeah. Oh, 
Sean is reading Miami Blues by Charles Williford, which he says is a good, quick read and very clear sign of a man over 30. <laughs> right. I'm also getting more and more into woodworking. So, uh, yeah, I guess I don't, I don't know what the book is about, but that's what's, what's happening with Sean. He's aging gracefully over there in Los Angeles. Um, thanks, Sean. Keep us up. Keep us up. Keep us posted. <laughs> Uh, So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Lizzie wrote in saying, I just heard about the zoo and museum passes from which we were talking about before in in an episode where we're saying the things you can use your library card for. And Lizzie says, wanted to add in Colorado, you can also get state park passes from the Denver Public Library. You can also get a Denver Public Library card if you live anywhere in Colorado. They also have cool maker spaces with 3D printers and sewing machines, etc. Super cool. That is super cool. 3D printers. Wow. That feels like the future. Extremely um, fancy. Anna wrote in and said, I've been visiting family for a few weeks and now catching up on my podcast, and I just listened to episode 205. I've listened to the podcast for two question mark years now, and I love hearing you both talk about dumping that book. As a type A personality <laughs> and devoted finisher of books, even if it kills me, I've always struggled with quitting a book. I've only ever quit a handful of books in my life. On this episode, Mallory had such a good point that I felt like an idiot for never thinking of it myself. Shelving books on Libby, Libby to come back to them at a different time when the book might have more appeal. In short, not forcing yourself to read it immediately and putting it putting it putting it in time out damn that's genius <laughs> it's a funny way to look at it put it put that book in time out um get in the corner book i'll come back to you later <laughs> you when you you know what you've done um it's not quitting and it has the real possibility of being an enjoyable reading experience at a later time plus if not if too many books get shelved and it falls off the list completely and i don't get back to it that's not bad either is it Anyway, love your show from a future book dumper, Anna Sarah. Just kidding. I'm not a Sarah, but I'd love to be. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Anna. I, I love it. Uh, and then a quick uh, bookmark from me. I'm final. I'm so excited to finally say that there is a place where you can or pre-order signed copies of Girly Drinks. Um, our friends over at Skylight Books are hooking it up. Um, I'm very, very excited that they are partnering with me on this. Um, I do have, uh, and at some point, hopefully soon we'll get to announce it. Uh, I have some events planned. They might be all going to virtual. We just don't know right now. It's a very weird time to plan any sort of event. Um, there definitely will be virtual events for girly drinks, but, um, if you want to pre-order the book, which I really hope you do, it really, really, uh, helps the book helps me a ton uh, and you want it to get it signed and personalized this is the first time I'm ever doing pre-ordered signed books that I will personalize you want me to write something weird in there you want me to draw you a little cartoon I'll do it um, and I will put a link in the show notes uh, for that and yeah you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month you can sign up for our newsletter this is the show notes before we talk about books with people on a journey we're going to take a quick break This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have, life can be stressful. Life is pretty stressful right now, Bria. I think for anybody, it doesn't matter what. I mean, I have an anxiety disorder, so I'm very biased, but we are going back into kind of, I guess, the second lockdown, third lockdown, fourth lockdown 
Yeah, and look, I would, lockdown. I would argue that life is stressful for anybody at any time. You don't even have to be a lockdown. There are things completely unpandemic related that are stressful for people at any point in time. And uh, mm-hmm. therapy can help. Talk to someone who's completely unbiased about your life, someone who isn't going to judge you or take sides on anything. You'd be surprised at how much it can help. So BetterHelp is customized online therapy. Y'all know you love being online. That offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. And it can be more affordable than in-person therapy. So see if it's for you. Yeah, ever since the pandemic started, me and my therapist have been doing FaceTime sessions. And I was a little worried about how they were going to go at first. But now it's just like totally normal. And it's fine. And sometimes it's like, oh, I can go to therapy and I don't have to put shoes on. Like, this is pretty nice. (laughs) Just hang out with my therapist in my office and sometimes one of my cats and talk about all the things that are making me anxious that week and how uh, steps I can take to not be as anxious. And it's uh, really, honestly, one of the best things I have in my life. And one of the best decisions I've ever made for myself is to get into therapy. Uh, and so this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Reading Glasses listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash glasses. So all you glassers get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com slash glasses. Have your first session in under 48 hours. That's at B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash glasses. Glasses. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week on Bullseye, David Byrne on the talking heads, easing back into live performance, and the magic of doo-wop. You don't get it very much, people doing dip 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 whoa, whoa, You don't get a lot of that. <laughs> Listen to Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. This week, it's one of Bria's absolute favorite types of books. Someone is on a journey. Why are these books appealing? What makes a good one or maybe a bad one? So, Bria, start us off. Tell us why you love a story about a woman on a journey. Well, let's sort of clarify here. So I think, like, we started talking about this when we were talking about wheelhouses. And I love, like, people on a road. And then it became more (laughs) like a person on a journey. And so it's kind of, like, evolved over time. But the truth is, I like two kinds of journeys. And I think I'm talking about two kinds of journeys here, right? It's a physical journey, like a a long road trip, like a getting from place to place, mm-hmm. or like a physical move, right, from one place to another. But then we also have a um, a mental journey, which, to be fair, is most books. Most books, you're going to have a character that starts somewhere and ends somewhere else. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. and not every book, but like a lot of, but most books have some sort of um, arc for the character. Um, and I think, I think this all comes down to like two movies that really influenced me as a child, which were Wizard of Oz and Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Maybe Dark Crystal. I'm not sure, but these are all, like, people on journeys, and they have physical, like, literally, like, Yellow Brick Road all the way to Oz or or whatever. Um, Or uh, Labyrinth, which is you're trying to get to the center of this maze. Like, it's literally people moving from place to place, learning about themselves on the way, and learning, like, at the at the end, you know, like as in the case of Dorothy, what you learn is that uh, what you needed was with you the whole time, you know. And I I love yeah. that as like a um, as a life lesson, I guess that you can go from one place to another, and you can you can um, uh, 
physically move your body from from one place to another and think that things are going to change. But if you but what you realize is that you are who you are, no matter where the fuck you go. Which I think is a yeah. lesson that I like. I constantly am learning. Every time I'm like, I'm gonna move, just start over. And like, you're never starting over. You're yeah. still dealing with your own bullshit the whole time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what about you? Do you like a, a woman or a, a human or an animal on a journey? <laughs> yeah, looking at all the examples that you gave, I like the same kind of story, but for a totally different reason. I love what I call Alice in Wonderland type books, where like a character is traveling through an unfamiliar, possibly fantastical world, and they meet new different people, and each chapter is like a small adventure in this new part of the world with new characters. Um, Drew McGarry's uh, The Hike is an example of this. Um, I, I think we described it as like boy sci-fi Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, that's um, about right. Uh, and one of my favorite books is like this, one that I've probably read 10 times, uh, The Book of Flying by Keith Miller. Uh, I think I love books like these because because I'm not loving, I mean, the main character obviously is important, but what I love is those those little scenarios because they're like tiny bites of fantasy hmm. without being a huge honker or a series. You get like one chapter where you like get a new little world or new like funny, fantastical, silly characters, but it's just like one little bite of it, you know, instead of, you know, a thousand pages. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That makes it like it's a little bit more accessible as a story. Yeah, I wonder if there's there's got to be a term for that, like for that Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz type story, yeah. like some sort of literary term. Yeah. Um, listeners, uh, write in if you uh, if you know of a term that exists. But so what we we love these books for different reasons. What makes a book like this appealing? What kind what really makes these kinds of stories work really well? Like there are many types of many many versions of the story, many books that do this, but not all of them are good. <laughs> so what makes the good ones good? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I have to say like the thing that we didn't talk about in the appealing aspect of them is that I do think people like to travel. Like most people, any of you don't like to travel, you like reading about travel and like reading about faraway places and maybe not everyone. And then you probably don't like these stories. But I think that's the other like appealing thing about them. Is it like mm -hmm. I like going on a road trip? So I like reading yeah. about characters going on a road trip. Like that's like just something I like in my life. Um, but I think as far as like what makes them really good, it's what you said, like like you know there's going to be a physical change, like, and they're going to be, like, oh, they're they're physically somewhere different. Instead of a forest, they're now in a desert or whatever the fuck, you know, like, or instead of a yeah. spaceship, they're now in a, like, the, the, the stories physically change, so you know you have something to look forward to as far as, like, an adventure-y kind of story. Because these are adventure books at their heart, if we're really thinking about it, yeah. right? Um, and even with something, I was thinking about The Road falls into this, um, which is... Oh, yeah, because that's not a lighthearted, fun, fantastic It's not, book. it's not. But it is one of these books. It's a, it's a person on a journey, on a road, and, like, learning about themselves. I don't know if he learns that, if uh, he learns that much about himself. I mean, I think he does along the way. You know, he, he, he has, has a, he goes, he definitely goes up against things. Um, what, what makes them really good is that you know you're going to get into something, someone moving from point to point, right? So at the very least, uh -huh. you know that is going to happen. You know, like, even if the book is kind of lame, that she's going to be going somewhere, right? Like, she's yeah. physically moving. But I don't know. What makes them, like, one better than another? Do you have an opinion about that? Yeah, I 
it's I, I wish I could I and I looked back on Twitter and I can't find it because I wish I could send this to you. I read this really interesting piece online and I'm pretty sure it was like an essay that an author had written and tweeted about or like a bunch of tweets that an author had written um, about how it's actually unrealistic for people to change who they are or their ways in real life and how because of that wanting characters to go through a whole arc of change through a book is silly and I don't think it's silly I actually think that's what's appealing about these types of books is that we want to think that people can go through experiences and change and be better and like find goodness or whatever within themselves I don't think it's silly to want something unrealistic in fiction like look at the entire romance genre in fact I think that's what makes it a satisfying story and what makes us uh, gravitate towards these books like you know at the end of Wizard of Oz Dorothy realizes that she actually really does appreciate her family and appreciates Oz and appreciates the things in her life and even if it's you know, it's very rare for people to um, to actually go through that those kinds of changes in real life. It's nice to imagine that people can do that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. So maybe the one the stories that we really like are that, you know, where a character go, goes on this journey and, um, you know, it's fun because they're like going through, you know, a labyrinth or Oz or Wonderland or whatever it is. But at the end, they, we are satisfied with the arc that the character has taken. They've learned something that about themselves. They've figured something out or they've changed something about themselves that feels satisfactory to us. So you're saying, I mean, yeah, I like this, that basically the, the trip itself is almost the trip itself is the metaphor for the, uh, mm-hmm. for the change in the person, but we actually get to see both happen at the same time. So it becomes like yes. one is mirroring the other, which, which is, nice it is like a nice way to see it happen i don't think it's like the case for every book like i mean again like the road i don't know how much he changes but it's a great person on a journey book um but i do think that that is what is the appeal you know yeah well i think yeah if because if we all read wizard of oz and at the end dorothy got back to to kansas and was like fuck kansas yeah. i still hate kansas i still am bored with my family blah 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 we'd be like oh man like you went on this whole journey for what like for nothing come on right and like it wouldn't feel as satisfying and it's very like goal oriented which we know you and i both really like so i mean maybe oh, yeah. there's also that that we're <laughs> like goal we know people. that there's an ending and we're like okay if we just if she could just get back to kansas you know like it's like the yeah. the goal of the book is very simple because there, there's a physical location that someone is trying to get to, which is why I love I love a road trip movie. I love like mm-hmm. I love books. Yeah, I love a road because then you know there's an end somewhere. And for for listeners, Bria made a road trip movie, so you can watch that. <laughs> it's on Canopy, actually. Interestingly, the which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, flip side, is there a part of the going on a journey story that you don't like? Like a t- part of the trope that always happens and you're just like, I wish I could skip this part of the book. Not really. I mean, like speaking of like all the little stops, I think sometimes some books get caught up in the stops and there's way too many. And I'm like, I don't need to meet the 50th person on this road trip. <laughs> like yeah. there's just like a little too much of that. I think you, I'd rather limit it to the few important stops along the way, explore what happens there and then get back on that damn road. Um, but I don't <laughs> get yeah. going lady. Get going. Uh, but yeah, I don't have like a ton Again, I think it's, like, not the trope, but if it's not done well with, like, the mirroring of the, like, person's personal journey, then I'm, I'm not as into it as well. Yeah. Um, what about you? Is there tropes you don't like? Uh, okay. So there's always a part at the beginning of a going on a journey story where it's, like, and it's normally, like, 
a day within a day of them going like setting off uh, where the main character loses all their shit and I fucking hate it. It stresses me out so bad. I think maybe because I'm so obsessively overprepared and like loaded up with everything I could possibly need at all times, but it makes me really anxious because like, you know, it's the first big obstacle they run into or like the first night they're staying out and they're all like, yay, I, I've packed all these little hunks of cheese and whatever. And I have all my little provisions in my backpack and like, boom, they lose all of them and like all the little blankets and like whatever they have. And then they have to fend for themselves. And like, I get it. I know it's like symbolic because you have to like let go of all these, these things to be able to like go on your journey and really be able to change and whatever but like, what about all those tasty little loaves of bread they packed? It's such a waste. Like, and it just like is so stressful to me thinking about like being in the middle of a forest without like, like my lip balm and my books and stuff and like all the things that I carry around with me at all times. Jeremy, my boyfriend always laughs at me because I always, wherever I am in the house, you can tell because there's like a LaCroix, a water bottle, a snack, a, a book, a lip balm. Like, there's always, like, my little packet of provisions everywhere. And thinking about going through Wonderland without that is very stressful to me. Oh, man. If I'm just getting in a car and, like, going down the street, I have enough to go on a full journey in my bag. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, I have snacks. I have water. I have a book. Like, I'm, like, ready, even though it's, like, it's a 10-minute drive to take the cat to the vet. And I'm going to literally be like, but I, what if something happens along the way? I'm, I'm like, prepared for that. You know what you should not read is Sinlin Ascends because that, spoiler, this is the very beginning of the book, but it's very bad. He yep. loses everything. Because always, it always happens right at the beginning yeah. and, like, all their shit gets taken. Yeah. Like, if you, Bria, if you were driving to the vet and you were a main character in one of these stories, like, all of a sudden, like, a little fairy would come along and, like, steal your tote bag it's so stressful. And probably the cat. And then I'd be searching for the cat the whole time. <laughs> oh, you know what? That would make a really good story. Although I highly doubt that Malachi would ever let himself be taken by I, a fairy. I'm in the other cat. I just had to take the other oh, cat Luke. somewhere. She would oh. She would gladly go with anybody. Oh, yeah. She'd be like, oh, this She's is like, Are you my new mom? I'm, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I love you just the same. <laughs> so you, you can send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to author Cassandra Cobb, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Soylent. Soylent, the original food tech company, makes delicious and nutritious nutrition products in convenient formats. Bria, I'm obsessed with Soylent. I know. You love, well, you hate cooking and you hate thinking about what you're going to be cooking or what you're going to be eating. This is kind of perfect for you, yes? This is absolutely made for me. I remember when we got, when we found out that Soylent was going to sponsor us and they sent us a bunch of products to test out, I texted you and it was like Christmas for me. Yeah. Like Jeremy couldn't figure out what was going on because we got this massive 40 pound box and yeah. I was like carrying it around the house, like laughing in glee. And he was like, what is going on, Mallory? Um, so as we've talked about on the show quite a bit, I do not like to cook. Right. I really would rather just like, eat a vegan sausage or like a can of tuna I do not like to cook at all and I'm the kind of person that I, I like to cook so little that I will often skip meals and like wait until like it's five o'clock and I'm like oh I guess I should make something so I don't die uh <laughs> and that's why I love Soylent so much they have a bunch of different kinds of products we tested out all of them and I love all of them um the one that I my is probably my favorite is the Soylent complete meal um, so it's this like ready to drink shake. Um, 
and they do have powder formats, but I love the shakes because it's even less work and you get 20 grams of plant-based protein, uh, 39 essential nutrients, healthy fats, 400 calories of slow burning carbs. And that's what, now that we got Soylent, I mean, I literally have a Soylent every single day. That is like my, cause I'm, I'm a breakfast skipper. I, I don't want to get up and cook first thing in the morning and it's not great for me. It's not great to skip a meal, especially when I'm like, I'm writing a lot, doing a lot of work. Uh, it's not good for me. It's not good for my brain. But with Soylent, I it, like I have no excuse. I can just like grab a shake, like twist the cap off and bring it down to my office. And it's so convenient. It's, it's so much better for me. I can definitely tell the difference when I'm writing, you know, when I have like my brain actually has some kind of fuel in it, which is absolutely fantastic. But they also have um, these little squares that are like um, these hundred calorie. They're like like they're not kind of a like an energy bar, gr- not a granola bar, but like um, like a protein bar kind of thing. They have different shakes that are complete energy uh, that Jeremy's been drinking and they have like nootropics for your mind and they have all kinds of like vitamins and caffeine and, and great stuff in there. Um, they have a, a protein shake that I've also been drinking cause I have been powerlifting again, which is very exciting. It has 30 grams of protein, which is fantastic. And the thing that I am most excited about is that they're all vegan and gluten-free. Yeah. I didn't realize that these were all plant-based when, um, when before they sponsored us and that is very very exciting that something could be plant-based but also also you didn't mention one of the best parts chocolate there's a lot of these are they're chocolatey <laughs> so i was like whoa wait a second you sent me a bunch of chocolate drinks to my house this is exciting oh yeah the there's a bunch there's i was actually really really surprised at how many different flavors there are um i the vanilla one's my favorite and that's what i you, you can sign up for a subscription so Jeremy and I get a pack of vanilla shakes delivered to our house every few every two weeks, uh, but they have mint, banana, strawberry, chocolate. Uh, there's chai. There's a ton of different ones. So, I mean, as a power lifter, I know that some protein shakes just taste like you're drinking a bunch of chalk. This is not it, and the, mm. the flavors are really really great. It's um, yeah. So if you are if you're somebody who is really busy, maybe you're like me and you do not like to cook, or you always find yourself skipping breakfast or skipping lunch or, you know, just having something that isn't as uh, great for your brain. Soylent is, I mean, it's just so easy. It is the perfect thing for that. Um, and I mean, I'm hooked. I am like, I'm a Soylent obsessy. I'm so happy that they're sponsoring us. So go to Soylent.com slash glasses and use the code glasses to get 20% off your first order. That's Soylent.com slash glasses, code glasses for 20% off your first order. Hey, podcast fan. We'd like to get a better idea of who you are and what you care about. So we have a quick favor to ask. If you have a few minutes to spare, please go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey. There, we've got a short anonymous survey that will take about five minutes to fill out. Plus, if you finish it, you'll get a 10% discount on merch at the MaxFund store. MaxFund shows have always relied on support from our members and always will. This survey will help keep the few ads we do run interesting and relevant to you. That's MaximumFun.org slash ad survey. A-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y. All one word. And thanks for your help. So 
So here we are with writer Cassandra Kaw. Cassandra, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So most important question. First up, what are you reading? Uh, right at this particular second, I am reading C.S. Cooney's Dark Breaker collection. It is just the most profoundly gorgeous set of like novelettes and short stories, all based on this one house that exists <gasps> on three separate planes at the same time. And like they're just this old budget, like old fade gentry who are in love with humanity's love for art, our impermanence is just kind of sensual and sleek, and the language is divine. Oh, that sounds amazing. It's really good. I'm so, so lucky that she's willing to get let me peek at an early draft. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of amazing books, can you tell us a little bit about your new book, The All-Consuming World? Oh, The All-Consuming World is the story of the Dirty Dozen, um, who are, as you might have guessed, comprised of 12 criminals who have since parted ways after one disastrous final heist. But the band is getting dragged back together because the mastermind is interested in finishing the last job, which is stealing an entire fucking planet. <laughs> but the rest of them are coming back because... It, well, she's luring them with the possibility that one of the former members might actually be alive. And it's all complicated by the fact they're all functionally immortal. They are clones who, upon the moment of death, basically get awoken up in clone vats wherever, you know, their database is stored. So it is possible, but it is also very difficult because nothing is ever easy <laughs> in life, even in the far future. Um, there are a lot of meditations on death, um, abusive relationships, how we deal with them, what happens when we escape from them. And in between all of that and what I'm told are oddly sensual surgical scenes, there is also an intergalactic pop star with multiple mouths running down her throat. There's a lot going on. <laughs> uh, I love it. So this is a heist book. Heist book. You got a bunch of angry folks. They're on a journey. They're trying to steal a planet. They're trying to rescue someone. But what did you, as the writer, really want the characters to find? What did you want them to figure out about themselves along the way? Um, that's an interesting question. I think what I really wanted them to, I guess, deal with across the course of the book is the abuse that they sustain. So like I said earlier, there's like a central mastermind who's kind of orchestrating all of their heists, you know, making use of them, kind of occasionally just throwing their bodies into the machine, so to speak, to oil the wheels of her own plans. And that and the fact that I imagined you would sustain a fair amount of PTSD from repeatedly dying in dramatic and violent ways, um, that all collects into, you know, slightly fractured I say slightly, quotation marks here. <laughs> slightly fractured individuals who just have to carry that trauma forward in life. And I want the characters to kind of confront that, like, have they survived the things that they've endured? How have they dealt with it? A lot of them just fled and, you know, went into new lives. But the decisions they made in their new lives are in a way colored by the trauma that they experience. For example, one of them, one of the characters, uh, she kind of wandered into law enforcement, which is 
as you can imagine, a slightly unusual for any criminal. (laughs) And she kind of deals with that in the background. You have the pop star who was also part of the Dirty Dozen. And she's just this incredibly vivacious person. He's everywhere. She just is loud, embraces the world full of life, but... He's also dealing with a lot of the things on the side. Um, she's far too comfortable with the commodification of his body because of what happened to her in the past. But mainly, um, I wanted the protagonist, Maya, to work through the abuse that she dealt with because she was the only person of the Dirty Dozen who decided to stay with the mastermind. And the book, in the many ways, is her realizing that she's been horrifically abused, stuck in this loop of loyalty and just everything else that has happened and kind of breaking away from it once she slowly comes to terms with exactly how horrible things are. I saw that this book is sort of a continuation of some of the themes that you explored in your other book, uh, Nothing But Blackened Teeth. Um. So I've been joking with people that this is the year of me confronting my abuse. And Nothing But Black and Teeth has a lot of this, you know, similar themes. And with Nothing But Black and Teeth, it's an examination of how we kind of cling to relationships long after they've gone septic. And we do so because they're familiar, because we feel grateful to the people who are there for us in important parts of our life. And I feel we don't really have the vocabulary to explore the idea that relationships aren't always permanent. I mean, just the nature of life itself makes it makes all relationships impermanent. Eventually, we're all going to die on each other. <laughs> but just in regards to relationships alone, we just kind of assume that once we have a friendship, we have to drag them all the way to the grave. And there's just no time limit. And Nothing But Black and Teeth is about that, about dealing with abuse and sticking with people despite it. Whereas, you know, the all-consuming world expands on that further and looks into the idea of, okay, what happens after we run away? And what happens if you can't die? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And somebody modifies your hormone output when you're around them. So you're, you know, constantly hit by dopamine and all the love chemicals in their presence. Oh, terrifying. Oh, so good. Such a great book. So as a writer who's dealing with all these themes, um, you know, the, the whole this whole episode is about why readers love characters on a journey. Uh, is it does it matter to you if a character changes on their journey? Is it more about what they find? What like how do you approach that as a writer? Okay, this is going to sound like the most woo-woo thing ever, but like I kind of let the characters do what they want. I don't necessarily need them to have changes across a story. Sometimes, like you said, it's just about finding things. Sometimes it's just about realizing that things happened, which I guess is change as well. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I don't think too much about this. 
sorry. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. That's every, it's for, I, I, I started thinking about this because I, I forget which writer I saw on Twitter, but I saw somebody talking about how it's unrealistic for characters. Some author was talking about how it's unrealistic for characters to change in books because people very rarely change in real life. Um, but I think I want, I want, sometimes wonder if that's why we love characters on journeys because we love seeing people change. Oh, yeah, I can. I can absolutely see that, to be perfectly honest. Um, Transformations are really interesting. Something that I've really been realizing after doing the nomadic thing and putting roots down is for the longest time, um, travel wasn't terribly special to me because I just got used to the idea of just roaming the world with one suitcase and just crashing on people's couches and bedrooms, um, guest bedrooms when I have the opportunity. And I hear a tiny little cat purring. <laughs> <I'm> so sorry. <laughs> no worries. You knew it was going to happen. <laughs> She's agreeing with you. She thinks she, she thinks this is very interesting. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So after I settled down, even after like three years or so, every time I hear someone talk about moving around there's this hint of wonder just almost this magic that shows up there's like oh this person's having cool new experiences wow <laughs> i see she agrees with that yeah. oh yeah she will she, she's an indoor cat so she doesn't travel and she's like yes it's the side that's the way she looks outside with a sense of wonder at the birds but yeah so i'm just saying like that's definitely true. We are, I think, fascinated when people get to undergo change. And it's something I'm recognizing myself. Like, I should not be fascinated with other people traveling. Like, I did it for 10 years. But here I am going, oh, you went where? Oh. <laughs> Human nature is neat. <laughs> so speaking of being fascinated by things, what is your reader wheelhouse? Are there any subjects or tropes that always get you to pick up a book? Do you gravitate towards books with people on a journey? Or do you have other things that you love? I know you're a horror person, which is why we found each other on the internet. Yes. Um... Anything with monsters, anything with werewolves, I will inevitably yes. wander over to. Um, <laughs> Stephen Graham Jones' Mongols uh, is still the best thing ever. Uh, I love that book so much. I do too. Um, I'm just going to drift into a fan person moment. And it's like, I love that all of Stephen Graham Jones' books, no matter how dark or how bleak, at least the more recent ones, have this note of hope. And in my head, it always looks like someone punching an arm <laughs> out of this pile of bodies with this triumphant <laughs> fist. It's blood splatter and gory, but like there's that triumph and hope and like possibility for a better tomorrow. And I think that was true of Mom Girls. I'm not going to spoil it just in case there's someone out there who still hasn't read this fascinating book. But like I remember just getting to that ending and going, no, 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 no. I know this is going to, how this is going to end. He's not going to be happy, but that's how horror books work. And then a miracle happened. <laughs> my last two pages, I was like, oh, he yes. did it. Oh, my gosh. So and it was good. it. So good. So is that something you love in horror? Is I mean, I know you love gore and monsters, again, which is why we are kindred spirits. But is that yes. something you gravitate towards a little bit? Is, um, you know, a little note at the end of not everything yes. is completely in, in the shitter? Um, I think so, definitely. Um, anytime somebody mentions something like that, I immediately bounce towards it. I 
don't necessarily like really bleak endings. I never did. And especially in the time of the pandemic, I'm just kind of done with nihilism. Mm. And it's definitely a special thing to find a note of hope in horror books. So yeah, that is definitely something I gravitate towards, especially now. Um, other things in my reader wheelhouse include rom-coms. I really like rom-coms. <laughs> I am very, very unap- unapologetically at this point a fan of frothy, pleasant romances with very distinct familiar arcs. Because again, in the time of the pandemic, familiar and fluffy is, you know, a bomb. Oh, for sure. Oh, one more thing. Uh, beautiful prose. Anytime anyone tells me a book has really gorgeous, baroque, complicated prose, I dive head in. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> give, me all, give me the one page long description, please. Yes. <laughs> uh, so before we close out, I had to ask you, I saw this on Twitter and I thought it was the coolest thing. Can you tell us about the game that goes with the all-consuming world? Oh my I just got the proofs for that. And it's the most amazing thing. Gion just kind of went above and beyond in creating a companion game. Um, I think it's kind of a solitary experience. It's kind of based on the idea that you're one of the dirty dozen and you're cycling through your various lives, uh, picking up artifacts, bits of memory, trying to chronicle all of it down, studying your own development and your own losses. And it's sensual in parts, it's horrifying in others. And I'm excited. I am on a book deadline, but I'm definitely going to run off and play this thing on my own. (laughs) Whenever I find something that looks like a spare, I don't know, six hours of my (laughs) life right now. Uh, so where can listeners find the game? And more importantly, where can they find your book? Uh, pretty much everywhere there. You can order things online. I have been very lucky with my publisher. Um, the best way of going about is probably going to everyone books and looking for the all-consuming wall from there. And to get the game, I believe right now you have to pre-order. Oh, great. Although if you, um, I think there are ways to pick up the game later on after the book is out as well. Fantastic. That's what we will link to in the show notes. Cassandra, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Now let's look at some book tech advances in bookish technology. Jenna wrote in with a book tech question. Longtime listener, first time writer. I have a book tech request for you. I'm a grad student in bioengineering, and I recently joined an unrelated feminist sex-positive book club hosted by Cassandra Corrado of the You Deserve Good Sex YouTube series and general all-around awesome sex educator. Between the journal articles for my research and book club books, I'm doing a lot of annotating as I read. My question for you, what pens are good choices for marking up a book? I tend to write a lot of margin notes, so highlighters alone don't cut it, and mechanical pencils are too light, but I also read curled up on the couch, so having a bunch of pens or sticky notes or tabs leads me to dropping them or forgetting I have them. Do you have recommendations for a good single pen or pencil that won't tear up thin book pages or bleed too much? The thinner the better, since I tend to write a lot. Also, my wheelhouse is urban fantasy or other magic in the real world books. 
books starring queer characters, pretentious books about food, series I can inhale one, one right after another, and dark and adventurous books with good world building that supports the story without getting in the way. Bria, what do you think? Well, I don't do a lot of annotating in an e-read. Um, uh, I will say this. I do feel like that um, Jenna missed... I feel like Jenna missed... A very great word combining. What do you call it when you combine two words? Anyway, sex educator, I feel like should be sex. Oh, I figured it out while you were talking. Sex sexjucator. Sex educator. A sex educator. <laughs> what do you call that when you combine two words like that? Oh, like a compound word? Is that a compound word? Because then it would just be one word and both of them would be there. Yeah, no, there's a specific word for it, combining two words, and I can't think of it because the pandemic has ruined my ability to think of Sex-jucator. words. Sexjucator. Anyway, I feel like that's what we should call this person, uh, Cassandra Carrado. Um, and this is so boring, but when I do physical books, I just use a pencil because I, I pretty much use a pencil for everything now because I love erasing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've, I, I moved over from pens to pencils in the last, like, five years or so because I realized... If you write in a pencil, you can erase it. And I need to erase things because I'm constantly making mistakes. Um, so I'm not Do the best. Do you use a mechanical pencil? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I use a mechanical pencil. I use, I, and I have a million of them that sit around my house in all places. So I can pick one up at any point in time. So grab yeah, it. Yeah, you're... It's part of your woman on a journey kit. Yeah. It, oh, definitely. Chocolate bar, mechanical pencil. I need that mechanical e-reader. pencil. Yeah, I love a mechanical pencil. Um... But yeah, Mallory, do you have a suggestion for this? Because if not, I bet we can get some readers, uh, listener suggestions. Well, so I I did some personal testing for this, and I Ooh. came and I because uh, I also I I'm not a book annotator. We talked about during when we did uh, when I annotated a book for our book club um, last year. I don't annotate books. Um, I keep notes in a separate notebook, um, but. My, I, I did. I got out one of our one of the print arcs that we we got because it's very rare for us to get print arcs now because most publishers now send us e arcs, which is great. Um, but I tested out a bunch of different pens and I asked my boyfriend, who is a soup like you know those people that are just like pen nerds. Yes, Jer- yeah. Jeremy is one of those. Yeah. Like I called Jeremy into my office and I was like, "Babe, can you tell me like give me some notes for this?" And he immediately was like let me get some pens and I'm going to bring them in and like, just like tell you all about them. Um, pen nerd. That so, could be a compound word. Pen nerd. Pen nerd. Pen nerd. A pen nerd. Um, so the best thing I found is a, it's like a very thin marker pen. Um, and I tested out a bunch of different kinds of uh, marker pens on, uh, on this arc and um, they're the best, you know, they're one, they're markers and not regular ink pens. So you don't have to press as hard to write. So you're not like marking the book, um, uh, regular pens usually indent the page and, um, you know, this listener's right. You know, if you, if you need to go back after a while, the mechanical pencils are very light and they fade after a while, um, which is tough. So I, I like the Papermate flare pen, which is great. Um, and the Marvy Le Pen markers, it's literally called Le Pen, which is very (laughs) funny to me. Um, and hold on, I wrote it down on a piece of paper with the pen. Oh, no. Well, Jeremy gave me another uh, recommendation and I can't find it. Well, I'll put it in. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but uh, this so and I because I was trying to think I was like, I must use these for something. And I realized that, yeah, I do, because I use them to sign books with. Oh, and yeah. They like I don't like signing books with a regular pen because it does indent the paper, um, and I don't like using sharpies because it bleeds. Sharpies bleed a, like thick sharpies bleed a lot, um, 
but I ordered the ultra Sharpie ultra thins mm. and I actually just ordered a bunch of pink and purple ones to sign girly drinks with. And they're perfect for, for this very reason. You don't have to press very hard, but, um, you know, they, they, they work perfectly. So that is what I am recommending. I'll put the a link to the one Jer the name Jeremy gave me was like something really fancy and I can't remember. I'll I'll put it in the show notes. It's like the it's one of those pens that's like the PX5 Ultra 15,000 on it. It like sounds like a Harry Potter broom or something. Um I love this. I but, love this. I would love a follow-up from Jenna. Jenna, try these pens out. Do a little book testing. Let us know how it goes. Even, you know, send us a voice memo. We'll put it on the show cuz I'm curious about what Jenna thinks about these. Yeah, so uh and any listeners who have uh, who are Heart, who are heavy annotators please let us know but um yeah jenna my recommendations are the papermate flare the sharpie ultra thins and the marvy le pen markers um they come in a lot of colors too which is nice uh so if you want us to solve your reader problem or answer a book tech question you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com as always we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our facebook group and chrissy and rachel who moderate our goodreads page remember you can buy reading glasses tote bags pillows shirts stickers all kinds of cool stuff in our new maximum fun store bria just got her library user pillow which is extremely fucking cute very cute uh, birth uh, birthday approved mm -hmm. um extremely extremely good very instagrammable if you were looking to make your reading space a little more instagram friendly uh highly recommend grabbing uh one of these pillows um uh, a mug uh the ask me what i'm reading mugs are really cute um but yeah check them out there's a link in the show notes and if you like the show you want to do something nice for us that's free uh helps us find more listeners helps us look fancy to advertisers you can write and review us on itunes it will take you less than a minute and really mean a lot to us uh you can email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading, reading.